all of my fears I will turn into prey. Thank God just <laughs> sing out your name. A victory dance. I will dance. I will sing. I will cast. I don't know. Hey. Okay, ready? Are we going to actually start now? Yeah, We're go. three minutes into nothing. Go. Okay, three, two, one. Okay, here we go. <laughs> I can never start. All right. This is episode eight or or nine? I think it's nine. I think it's nine. Honestly, it doesn't matter. All right. This is episode eight or nine. Can't really remember of Out of the Boat. We are in a different setting right now. We are in the actually, actually, we're in the radio station, my job that I work at, because my soundboard that I just ordered gave up after its fourth podcast. <laughs> so <laughs> I called the company and we're getting a new cord. I don't know. We're going to start. Do you want to tell them where it was going to be at or save that no, for next I time? I don't know if I want to expose it because I don't know if we were allowed to be there. Anyways, um, yeah, we literally got there, set everything up, snuck into this place, set it all up beautifully, and we hook up the board and it doesn't work. I was like, I was mad because we had to pack up everything within like 10 minutes. No, you know what I think? Honestly, I was sitting there thinking like, wow, you know what? This is God punishing me for sneaking in here. For trespassing. (laughs) No, for real. But um, now here we are. We're in the station and uh, I have to wait for a new cord replacement. So today um, it's going to be a little flipped. Jonathan's going to ask me, I guess, some questions and I will do some talking this time. So whenever you're ready, Jonathan, go ahead. Be good. All right. Well, the first question I kind of want to ask you that I feel like the viewers want to know is what (laughs) made you want to start the podcast? Like what was going through your mind? Did God give you a certain time frame of how things were going to go? Just give us the breakdown of everything. Honestly, I guess it's a good good thing you're asking this question because a lot of people probably look at my feed. (laughs) It's just like craziness. And then bam. Yes. Praise God. I see it. (laughs) It's just totally like your car flooding and all of a sudden it's talking about God. No, for real. Zero to a hundred real fast. So, um, no, honestly. Okay. So I have said this time and time again, probably. Um, but for those of you who don't know, um, I have been feeling to do a podcast for about two ish. I'd say about two to three years, maybe three is pushing it probably about two years. And, um, I didn't want to do it because I don't, like speaking even though like no one's gonna see me except for this video right now (laughs) but i don't like i don't like hearing my voice i don't like doing any of that type of stuff i don't it's anytime someone plays like a podcast or a video of me in front of me i'm like shut it up shut it up i don't want to hear it like i literally like i don't i've never even listened to my own podcast i i think i've listened to my first episode like the first time like a couple days ago First one I ever listened to. Dang. If there's mess ups in it, darn. <laughs> Y'all are getting the raw stuff. You don't even care at that point. No, it's like, okay, it's up and out there. Whatever. You guys can tear it apart. But um, no, I've been feeling about doing it for a long time, but I kept making excuses as to why like I can't do it. And um, honestly, conveniently, I was reading today in Exodus the story of Moses where God was telling him to go to Pharaoh to ask him to free his people. And Moses was like, who am I? Or... I don't even speak eloquently, like making up all these excuses. And that's literally me. Like every single thing that God asked me to do, I'll make up an excuse for it. Like, okay, now, well, you know what, God, you say to take care of our health. Okay. So (laughs) we need to go to the gym. I need to go to the gym. I need to stay in shape. 
Um, another thing could be like, well, you know what? <laughs> Rest is good. I need to sleep. You know, there's no time for this podcast. I need to it's take a biblical. nap. biblical. Yeah, it's biblical that I take a little nap. So I would always put everything else in front of it, making an excuse to, like, put this off, and I didn't want to do it. And so basically, honestly, subliminally, it was like fear. Hold me back. I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to put myself out there. I <laughs> didn't want to hear anybody's comments about it at all. Um, so I finally decided to do it two years later of the Lord nudging me. And working on me, I was like, God, I don't even, do you really want me to do this? Because I've never even, like, listened to a podcast in my life. How am I supposed to make a podcast when I don't even have the intention span to listen to a podcast more than 30 seconds? Right. Like, I'd see some podcasts, people are, like, an hour long, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. I can barely listen to eight minutes. Are you kidding me? I'm not going to do that. But then um, I remember I had I had played around, did my first podcast with – um. Oh my gosh, I don't remember. I had somebody in here I was playing around. And next thing you know, I looked back at the screen and it said 56 minutes. And I was like, okay, all right. I see why people <laughs> talk for three hours now. I could go on forever in this thing. So, yeah, it took me a fat minute to get to this point. And uh, more recently, I decided I was like, I'm going to make this a priority. Obviously, relationship with God is first. That, that was our last podcast, which honestly, like as Caleb was speaking, it legit was like, speaking to me in that moment i'm like okay i'm receiving right now he's preaching right to me and i was like getting a revelation there i'm like okay yeah you're right revelation over call i mean revelation relationship Relationship. over call (laughs) and i was like it convicted me because i feel like i have filled my schedule so much with focusing on like what has god called me to do and i was like okay um no but i gotta do this like i do what god's called me to do and like i would literally cut out prayer time to do this and then after last week's podcast and him talking about what he talked about I was so convicted I was like you know what that is most important of anything so after that after I got my relationship in order and I started praying for the podcast I told God I was like I don't want this to be my podcast I don't want this to build my kingdom I want this to be your podcast I want you to put people on it that you want on it and I want the things to be said that you want said on this I don't want to I don't want to take back over the steering wheel I think I was literally (laughs) praying that the other day I was like (laughs) I was trying not to sing that Carrie Underwood song Jesus take the oh my gosh Take it from my (laughs) but but for real like no like Jesus take the wheel please because (laughs) I didn't want I know that we say a lot of times, like, God, like, oh, take this, you know, take it from me. Like, God, this is yours. The second we say amen, okay, move aside, and we take back over the wheel. And uh, I literally told God that the other day. I was like, I don't want to have my hands, like, like this is, like, mine. Like, I want this person. I want this, like, right. I want this to be, like, a God-led podcast. I want him to bring the people. I want him to ordain the whole thing, the topics that he wants and the things that he once said on here and I pray for his favor upon this podcast. And so I started doing it. I was like, I'll be more consistent. I got to do it. I was telling myself, I'm going to do this three times a week. We are lucky if we get just three. to do one. No, we're lucky. We get out one in a month, <laughs> one a week. And I was like, gosh, I was like, how do people do this daily? I, 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 that's so hard. The editing alone just for audio and stuff is ridiculous. Like, 
clipping and putting the video together and, and promoting it. And I'm like, Lord have mercy, I can't do that. Well, you were up to like two in the morning last time, three in the morning. No, yeah, no. I literally was, I know tonight I will be here <laughs> like 2 a.m. <laughs> I'm not looking forward to it, but it's a sacrifice I'm going to have to make. But um, so I told God, I was like, I'm going to be more consistent with this. I don't want to keep procrastinating. I don't want to keep putting it off. And honestly, I think God has honored it with who we've had so far and, and stuff like that. And I'm really enjoying, honestly, the messages that are brought across because every time the people, the guest speakers are like speaking, every single time I'm just sitting there like kind of not zoned out, but I'm like kind of taken back. I'm like, oh my gosh, this podcast was made for myself. The Lord is speaking to me right now. We're the ones receiving. No, we're the ones receiving. <laughs> I don't know about anybody else right now, but I'm really receiving this right now. And so I think I, it's literally so... I don't know what the word is, not rejuvenate. It's so like refreshing to me even. So yeah, I'm actually like getting into the swing of things. I'm, I'm really liking this. Um, it's really fun to do the call of God. Like, and you feel at peace when you're doing what he's called you to do. So yeah, that's how I've gotten to this point. I put it off for a long time. Um, finally stepped out of the boat and walked on the water and trying to follow his will. I just want to backpedal real quick. I remember you said how Moses, he was kind of running away from the call. And I remember you, I don't know if you mentioned up on the a podcast, but you went on preaching tour twice and you didn't really plan on going on preaching tour. Can you kind of tell us about that? Uh, yes. So for those of the viewers who don't know, um, preaching tour is a thing at our Christian college where in the summer they allow students to go across America to preach at different churches, evangelize, and and try to also get some uh, new students to come to the school. And so I think they they allow about, like, this year they had 12. They had, like, a Spanish tour, and they had two English tours. And my first year, though, they had two English tours, and it's eight people. And I think they said about 30 to 40 people signed up to go on the um, English preaching tour my first freshman year. And um, I was not going to do that. That just sounded miserable. <laughs> I was like, oh, my Lord, I've barely even spoke in front of four people. You want me to speak in front of a Sunday morning at a church? That's not happening. And um, But to backtrack, the reason why I didn't want to do that is because years ago um, in middle school, middle school was not a fun time. It was a very, I don't know if it's traumatic to say or dramatic to say, uh, a traumatic time. I don't know. I feel like when you're younger, experiences really shape your life yeah. later in life because it's crazy. Experiences back then still are in my head to this day. And like because of things that happened back then shape my decisions today. And it's like, oh, I don't want to do this because this is this. And it kind of stinks sometimes, but like I think I've gotten through a lot of it and it's actually helped me become stronger today. But I remember in middle school, this is like, I'll just give you a short story, a little glimpse. It's it's funny now when I say it because it sounds so pathetic, but it's really funny. No, it's not funny. It's actually really depressing, but it's really funny now. Um, so I remember back in middle school, um, my mom had found me crying years ago, like in my room or whatever, and uh, not that was not my intention. I was so like upset that my mom found me. I was like, dang it. So she found me crying. She's like, why are you crying? Why are you crying? Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, well. Um, so she finally got out of me. I was like, yeah, I just, I'm, I'm made fun of like all the time at school. Like 
I don't have a lot of friends. And she was like, what? What? I thought I thought you were like with the cool group. I'm like, mom, no, I'm not. I'm not with the cool group. And she's like, well, what, what, what can I do? And I'm like, oh, oh my gosh, I don't know. So she she ended up <laughs> buying the class McDonald's a couple times and like suddenly everyone loved me. And I remember um, there was a couple times at lunch she would either buy the table that I would sit at uh, McDonald's or like buy them all ice cream or something, just a specific table. And I think that seats like maybe like eight, 12 people max. Oh, wow. And um, I remember the cool popular kids of the school would let me sit at their table when I had ice cream or McDonald's. They would let me sit there. They'd be all buddy, buddy. And then the day that I didn't have McDonald's, I wasn't allowed to sit with them anymore. I had to go sit by myself. And sometimes I had like one or two other friends that <laughs> we were like the nerdy group. But like it was it was, it was depressing because they would like kick us to the curb and make fun of us all the time. Yeah. And um, so that made me like feel depressed because I feel like anytime I tried to do something even like in middle school I remember I tried to run for like an office and they would just make fun of me make fun of me anytime I'd speak so I was just like okay you know I'm just gonna know my place and not talk not say anything um so even today like I think about it a lot like I'm scared to like speak out I'm scared to say something I'm, I don't want to get up and speak in front of people like oh what are they gonna think what are they gonna say and so when God called me to preach I was like okay well I don't want to do that um, but I went to school anyways, so I, I thought I was taking that first step out of the boat, and so I came to school, and they had that preaching tour thing, whatever, you get so much off your school bill or whatever if you go on it, and so obviously I didn't sign up for that. I'm not, that is out of my comfort zone, and I'm not doing that. Um, I even skipped, like we had a preaching class, I skipped that. I was like, I'm not doing that. Uh, speech class, I'm not doing that. I'm, I'm doing anything that requires speaking. And I remember, like, even if they ask for you to stand up and say your name for, like, the beginning of a class, uh, I left. <laughs> I hated that. <laughs> don't like when they do Introducing that. yourself. No, like, for what? For what? <laughs> Why? <laughs> Just say your name off the roster and we'll raise my hand. That's all I need to do. So I did not want to do that. I didn't want to do anything, even saying my name. So let alone going on a tour for Two months around the nation speaking in front of churches. Crazy. So I was like, I'm not doing that. I'm staying in the boat. Uh, so lo and behold, school's over. And I get this text message from this number I didn't recognize. And it said, hi, Christopher. This is so-and-so from the school office, blah, blah, blah. Uh, we would like you to go on preaching tour. And I was like, bruh, <laughs> there is literally people on a waiting list to go on this preaching tour. And you want me who has never spoken in front of an audience before, like in my life. You want me to go? Yeah, okay, yeah, sure. I'm Moses over here. I've never, I have, like, I don't know. Who am I? <laughs> Just like Moses said, who am I? I can't do that. And um, so I obviously knew that I took this step to come out here. I, I thought I was getting closer, but I was also still trying to run from the call while also somehow walking in the direction towards it. And... I knew if I said no, that would be me further running. So I was like, reluctantly, I was like, yes, I will go. Let me tell you, I went to my friend's house that night, and I told him, and I literally had tears rolling down my face because I, oh, wow. I was so, like, stressed out and miserable because I was, like, I was, like, shaking. And the preaching tour wasn't for, like, another month. This was the end of school, and it didn't start till like, a month into the summer. And I remember... 
I was so nervous that like literally for a whole month leading up to it, I would just freak out every day because I was like, I don't want to speak in front of a church. I don't want to talk in front of people. What am I going to say? Lightning's going to strike the second I put my foot on that platform. So we get to the first church. (laughs) I was like, I can't do this. I'm not going to do this. I was shaking so heavy. And I literally was praying. I'm not even kidding. I'm like not making a joke right now. I literally pray. I was like, God, send the rapture now. Oh, I know wow. there's a lot of souls that are not saved, but you know what? This is worth it. I'm, I got to go. <laughs> All that not to preach. No, for real. I'm not getting up. It was a five spot too, to top it off. I was literally going up there for five minutes and I just couldn't do it. I was like, no, take it now. Send out lightning oh something. God, Send out a chariot of fire. I can't. can't go up there. And so long story short, it comes to like, man, let me tell you during worship before I got up there. I was worshiping my heart out. I was like, Lord, if there's ever been a time in my life, it's now. I need you now. Just take control of my body. Use it as a a vessel. I'll be a robot. Get up there. Take over. Shut me down and you take over because I can't do this. So next thing you know, like worship's over. They... They call my name and just magically my feet start moving. I was like, oh, this ain't me. The second my like first foot hit the platform, it was like something like literally like took over. Obviously, I was still like right there. It almost felt like out of body. I'm like, oh, this is kind of cool. What am I saying? (laughs) And I was I was preaching. I was saying something and it just like kind of flowed. And I was like, wow, this is crazy. And I remember as I was speaking the words coming to me and I was sitting there thinking as I'm speaking, wow, I'm really, I'm doing this right now. <laughs> I'm talking. I'm not, I'm not stuttering or anything. As I'm speaking, I'm thinking this in my head. And so, um, and then I found out when I got up there, man, I started cracking jokes and there's been a couple times where I've cracked some jokes at some churches and the pastors just had a straight face and I was like, oh, you know what, man, maybe that was crossing the line. That's awkward. There. Yeah. I was like, okay. Uh, so, but anyways, Afterwards, I got off that platform and I was like shaking and I was like, wow, I can't believe that just happened. That was probably one of the biggest faith builders in my life because I was like, legit, I stepped out of the boat, out of my comfort zone. And God literally met me up there. And it it literally like, wow, I was like, okay, you know what? Maybe I can do this again. Still to this day, that was like three years ago. Still to this day. <laughs> If someone asks me to speak, even like open up for prayer, <laughs> I will run. <laughs> I do not like doing it. But yeah, no, I'm trying to learn more. It's not as bad as the first time. But when people ask, I'm just still like, ah, you know, there is so many other better options around here. Are you sure you <laughs> sure you want me? But um, no, it's really it's really shown me that God can use anyone and God will qualify you and you can't disqualify yourself. Okay. This light is beaming my eye. There's a tear coming out. <laughs> I don't want people to think I'm crying at what you just said. It's okay, uh. it's okay. Jonathan, receive it. <laughs> so I remember over tour, uh, we met up after my church, and you were going over how even after you answered the call, you still had a season of brokenness. And I feel like that's something that most people may not get a revelation of until they go through it, where they feel like once they answer the call, it's going to be smooth sales. Yet once you answer the call, there's still going to be a season of brokenness. The Bible says we must enter many tribulations to enter the kingdom of God. And Paul and Silas, they were doing missionary work, and yet they were still thrown in jail. They were still beat up and went through their season of brokenness. So can you just describe what you went through 
in your season of brokenness while answering the call of God in your life? Okay, honestly, the first thing that comes to my mind when you ask that question is there are certain things when you're stepping out of the boat or into your call um, that you'll face when you make that decision. Obviously, the devil's not going to let you go and be like, oh, okay, never mind, he's answering his call. He's going to do great. I'm going to leave him alone. No, yeah. he's going to literally attack you harder. And I remember almost almost after every preaching, maybe not every single one, I know there was just one that was really bad. On my second preaching tour, I had just finished a preaching at this church on a Sunday night. And I remember after I got off the platform, like, man, I was like crying on the platform. I was like, I was emotional, <laughs> which, you know, I don't like to be publicly emotional, but I mean, like I was, I was crying. I was like, Jesus. And, um, I remember I finished and like, I started praying for people and everything. And, um, I remember my tour buddies were telling me that like, bro, like that was like, that was the best message that you've ever preached. That was awesome. And I remember just a stone face. I was just a straight face. And I literally like, I didn't believe them at all. I literally thought they were lying. And I remember right after I was done praying for some people, I went into the corner of the platform and just like literally balled up in a ball and I bawled my eyes out. I could not stop crying. I couldn't breathe. It was the kind of like crying where you're like, <laughs> like I literally, I couldn't stop. And I literally was begging for forgiveness. I was like, God, please forgive me. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. Because I literally thought I had butchered it so bad and had done such a horrible job i had believed all the lies from the enemy the second i stepped off the platform all these lies started coming at me like that was the worst you've ever done you literally wow. did terrible you didn't do anything good for these people nobody received like literally all the lies you could think were coming to me they're like you are worthless you are nothing like your other tour guys on this tour you need to give up this is not your call and i literally believed everything i just went in the corner i was crying my eyes out because I was like this is not who God calling to be I, I I must have misunderstood this is not what I'm supposed to do and I just cried and was begging for forgiveness I was like God please forgive me I, I'm so sorry I'm so sorry I'm so sorry I'm so sorry it was literally probably one of the honestly top five most depressing nights of my life but um I gotta realize that even when I think I did bad I can't take credit for it. And even when I do good, I can't take credit for it either way. If I'm going to take credit for the bad, I might as well take credit for the good. Right. If I'm not going to take credit for the good, I can't take credit for the bad. Does that make sense? And so I just had to teach myself like I did what God called me to do. I did what I felt to do in my spirit. And that's it. And I, I didn't allow... After that, I think that was like the turning point. Like I didn't allow the lies from the enemy to take me down because literally after each preaching, I was attacked hard. And so now after I finished doing something for God, like I like I thank him, like, Lord, thank you. Like, like fill me back up because I don't want to be attacked right now by the devil. And um, that hardship, that um, season of what did you call it? Brokenness. That season that like literally like I literally felt broken. Um that taught me to be stronger and to fight against the attacks of the enemy. Now, on the flip side, besides that, because that was the first thing that came to my mind, the second thing that comes to my mind of a season of brokenness is um, I only grew up with um, one parent, and 
I didn't realize the effect of that on my life until probably like the past like five, six years or whatever. And I didn't realize how, I guess, the gravity of that, of not having like um, a whole family uh, really affected me. And also like not being, uh, not having a lot of friends in like middle school and stuff and people making fun of me all the time. And I was just constantly searching for something to fill that void. I was constantly searching for like a best friend. I was constantly searching for someone who would be reliable, who would be loyal. And I can never find it. Like I've gone through so many like best friends and like I put them on such a high pedestal because I'm like trying to fill that void inside of me. And they would always let me down or like they would just, you know, make a new friend and ditch me or whatever. And it hurt a lot, man. I would, <laughs> I, swear, I don't, I don't cry this much anymore, but I'd be like, I would cry all the time. <laughs> I was like, why Lord, will you hate me? Like, like I, I went through a lot and I was like, I was like, why are you doing this to me? Like, I literally just want one thing. I want a best friend. That's all I want. And, um, like I didn't have a dad, didn't have this. Now, like, you, you don't even have friends. Like, what do you want? Like, what, what more can you put me through? And I remember I kept feeling like God kept telling me, I am supposed to be that person you're going to rely on. I'm that person that you need to put your trust in. I'm that person that can fill that void because that void is only a void that I can fill. And I kept trying to fill it with things that are carnal that can't fill it. That's a spiritual hole that only God could fill. And I kept ignoring it because I was like, yeah, okay, yeah, obviously, God, you you know, you can fill it, but I want, like, a like almost like a tangible friend, basically. Uh, I wanted to keep ignoring that. I was like, I kept telling myself, like, that's not God. That's not God. When obviously it was God, like, all these years. And I remember, actually, Caleb Herring at this prayer retreat was talking about how he was in a season of loneliness, and he was talking about how he wanted a best friend, and he was like, he didn't have any friends and he he just had nobody that like he could rely on, no one that he felt like they were his best friend. And he prayed that like, God, like, I need you to be my best friend. I'll do whatever it takes. I'll sacrifice. I want you to be my best friend. And as I draw close to you, I want you to draw close to me. And I remember that sermon by him literally hit me so hard because that was like my life story. I was like, my whole life, I've been searching for a best friend. I've been trying to fill that void. And I've been trying to fill it with other things instead of looking to God. And that has been probably my lesson of brokenness is to rely on God and not fill it with other things in this life. This sounds like kind of like a dumb question, but how do you actually get to that place of trusting God and relying on him? Because like you said, growing up, you had an absent father you're trying to view God as a father, but you didn't have a father. So how do you overcome that obstacle and view the king of kings as a father when, again, you didn't have that in your life? Okay. Well, honestly, that is one thing I'm still learning, to the view of the father, because as we talked about in one of our other podcasts, I um, have like a little distorted view, I guess, of the father because it's when I hear father, obviously I relate it to my earthly father, which our heavenly father is very different from our earthly father. And so my view when I hear father is of my earthly father. And it, it 
it's not like something nice. So that's still a lesson that I'm learning, like how to properly view the father and not have a warped view of the father. Um, I just pray about it. Honestly, that's the best thing that you can do. The more you pray about it, the deeper you go in with God, the more that you understand him, the deeper that you get to know him. It, it just starts to answer all the questions. Now, if you're trying to figure things out on your own and literally not talk to God, it's not, it's not going to help you. So I've been praying a lot like, God, like I want to know you more. I want to know you deeper. Um, Like I I want your love to surround me because I feel so empty without you. And that's basically the only way that I feel like you can get to know God more is obviously by praying. That's like the best answer I can give. I have no idea what to give. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to hold in my life. Oh my gosh. So I'm just going to backpedal real quick. I remember earlier you were mentioning how after a sermon you would just feed yourself those negative thoughts. And you were mentioning how you there was a point of your life where you had to kind of tie yourself. I'm not going to take credit for the good or bad. Because either way, that's pride. But how do you get to that place of I'm not going to feed off these negative thoughts? Because it's easier said than done. A lot of times, even myself, after preaching, I feed into those thoughts. Not anymore because I've overcome that. But how did you overcome those negative thoughts? honestly I happened to be (laughs) scrolling your Instagram one day uh, for the radio account and there's this um, artist that we follow her name is Baylor Wilson I think it is and she posted some scripture um, about talking about how God does not like um, people who have self-pity like people who are like self-pitying in their self and I was like there ain't no way this is a scripture. Well, I went and looked it up, and I was like, oh, my gosh, it's a scripture. <laughs> and so I remember reading that, and I was studying, and I was like, oh, my gosh, God really did. Like, I legit thought when I would sit and, like, pity myself and cry, I was like, I'm not good enough. No one's ever going to love me. Literally, like, I, I would do that all the time. I literally would do that so often, and then literally after – I saw that. I've probably done it twice in my life since then, and that was like two years ago. So that was a big shift was to see like scripture that shows that God does not like that. And I almost, I'm not going to lie, I feel like I would do the self-pity thing sometimes to almost get, I don't know how to describe it, like almost like a manipulation, kind of like... No one loves me. What? You don't want anybody to love me or what? The like the, as if God, like, you know, tomorrow would bring my wife or something. <laughs> or or like, so bring, or like I know. Or like bring me a friend, like, you just want me to suffer, don't you? And then like, you know, God would bring me a friend. But that's literally not how he worked. Like I thought I could like low key manipulate him, but he didn't fall for it. I know. And and, and that's horrible that I'm even like saying that, but subliminally that's basically what I was doing. It sounds horrible, but you know, like it sounds like I was manipulating, but after I read the scripture for showing uh, self-pity and, and negative thoughts. I was like, I, God doesn't even like this. Like, why, why, why would I do this? And it's crazy that just that revelation of the word changed my whole thinking. Like, I don't really do that anymore, which is awesome. Like, glory to God, I don't do that anymore. And I know that when God has called me to do something, he'll definitely equip me. And even when it doesn't seem like it, I know it sounds cheesy, but even when it doesn't seem like it, he is working in the background. There has been 
I can't wait to release this in a podcast later in life when I am allowed to. But there is a huge situation in my life where I was praying, praying, and praying. And it literally felt like <laughs> my prayers were hit the ceiling and coming right back down. It's like, okay, God, did you put the mute button on me? Because you're not hearing anything I'm saying. And I remember God called me to a, a fast And so I was like, okay, like I'll go on this fast. And I was fasting. And then afterwards I prayed and he was like, I kind of want you to go more in depth with prayer on this particular topic. So I was praying for it. Literally after I felt that two weeks later, all hell broke loose. Everything horrible was happening. I was like, oh my gosh, do you not hear my prayers or something like are you trying to torture me? I was like, what in the world is happening? So I was like, okay, maybe I shouldn't pray at all because clearly you're doing the opposite. So I remember after all that, even what seemed like a storm and like I was in the midst of a storm and it seemed like everything around me was falling apart, all of that was working to do something, to answer the prayer. And that was the only way that that prayer could be answered. When to me, it looked like all hell was breaking loose. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like this is not going to happen. Like what, how is it going to work now? Like now the situation's literally impossible. How are you going to come through and like do this? Lo and behold, he comes through and when I tell you, you know how you hear stories and people are like, oh, this is a faith builder. This is going to build your faith. And I'm yeah. just like, yeah, okay, yeah, sure. I'll praise God. But you don't know my situation. <laughs> you don't know my family. You don't know my lost loved ones. That's not going to happen. Yeah, great. I understand. He was a Hindu priest. All right. He got saved. He got baptized. Okay, yeah. No. I was like, you don't know my family. But then when it happens to you, when it happens to your family and it happens to your situation, your faith goes through the roof. Now when I'm praying for things, I don't need immediate like confirmation. I don't need an immediate like reaction to my prayer because I'm like, I know he's working in the midst. I know he's working behind the scenes even when I don't see it. And I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep staying faithful because even though I was praying for this particular topic, which hopefully I can release soon, for several years it literally felt like god was not answering it and god was just staying silent on it he was working on it this whole time and so that watching like a prayer come true has totally just transformed my faith like and confidence now when god asks me to do something i know that he'll come through for it i'm feeling kind of bold right now oh god you said after you make the prayer all hell broke loose. Mm-hmm. Would you say that specific part will be the reason some people backslide, where they don't get that immediate response, they don't get that instant miracle or breakthrough? Would you say that part is where people backslide? Wow. That was a good question. <laughs> okay, honestly, I would say yes and no. There are some people that will, and there are some people that won't. If you are not grounded in the truth and you're not grounded in the word, then yes, you could probably easily fall away. Yeah. Because if I were to tell the story, which I can't, but if I were to tell the story of what me and my family went through, 
shortly after this prayer that I was praying, then yes, I could see why some people would backslide like, why would God do that? Blah, 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 and stuff like that. And then like, you know, like just give up. And it's like, you can't tell me that there's a God. And then all this happened. But me being a firm believer, I knew I was like, okay, I know <laughs> I just prayed. And it seems like the opposite just happened and all hell is breaking loose. I know that God still has a plan. And sure enough, at the end of what seemed like a dark tunnel, God did have a plan. So in youth ministry uh, seminar with Brother Morgan Ellis, he was asking us a question of why is it that, because he said 40 or 50% of people after you leave the youth, they either backslide or they just like leave the church. Mm-hmm. And I was really thinking, and kind of like we said earlier, the reason I feel like this happens is because they're not grounded. But what would you say is the reason why they're not grounded? Because for the most part, at least to my knowledge, the preacher or the youth pastor, he's already feeding them the word of God. Mm-hmm. So would you say them backsliding is a result of poor teaching from the pastor? Or would you say it's like, what would you say is the reason? That's a loaded question. I think there's multiple factors in this. Ultimately, obviously, it comes down to the decision of the individual. But I've seen many cases um, in my life where I've had friends where they were in church, they were on fire, they were doing great. Um, Some of them weren't at the age of driving. Some of them were at the time. Um, And their parents started to like fall away and the kids were like they were on fire but as soon as their parents started falling away they kind of fell off like they didn't stick with it and their parents weren't very like oh yeah look kind of do whatever you want and that's not you know a great example that wasn't like a great leader in their house so it's very hard I think it's like much harder for a child who's is raised in a family that their parents aren't like being examples, I think it's a lot harder. My mom, if <laughs> if I missed like anything, <laughs> you know, I don't even have the option. To miss she was anything. on you. <laughs> no, for real. <laughs> you better get your butt in this car right now. <laughs> I was like, oh God, you know? for real, I was like, okay, okay. <laughs> but like, I look back at it now, like, I'm so thankful that my mom was very stern with me with that, and. um yeah, I'm very thankful. I don't even know. I definitely would not be here today if it weren't for her. But um, and then there's another part that's like there are kids that are there religiously, parent that had parents like mine even like they were there religiously, and they went to all the services. They went down to the altar like they did. They did everything, but then they go to college or something like that. They go out in the world. They get a taste of the world and they just uh, they kind of go crazy, and. They just like, oh, you know what? I'm just going to try this for a little bit. I'm just going to, I'll be back. I'm just going to try this. But then they don't realize how far opening that door would take them. You never taste sin and then say, oh, I'm only going to try a little bit. You don't realize how far it's going to drag you down. And I've had so many friends that tasted a little bit of the world and then they just disappeared. And I remember in my youth group, Several years ago, um, I would look into the the young adults, and I was just like, "Man, I can't wait to be in there one day." And I was like, "I was like 11." And I was like, "Can't wait to be in that room with all them and all this stuff." And I remember it was like jam packed. It was like at the time it was like a hundred or something like that, whatever. And now I look back at that specific generation and group. 
probably 90% of them are not living for God. And they all just, they just did their own thing. They backslid. They don't have any relation with God at all. Some of them are even atheists now. And it's like, like what happened? Like, I remember seeing you like on fire for God and now you've just totally gone away. And it's really sad. Um, all we can do, honestly, from this point is just is pray for them because that's like the most powerful thing that we can do. We can reach out to them. We can talk to them. We can encourage them. Um, I have a couple friends that I have tried to reach out to them, and they literally just don't want anything to do with anybody from church anymore. It's crazy where sin will take you. Yeah, It literally has changed people like 180. I don't even recognize them anymore. But I still pray for them, and somebody's got to fight for them. Because I have another friend that has fallen so far away, they don't believe in God. Their parents, who were once very on fire, are also not in church anymore. The whole family left. And they're unrecognizable. And I pray for them because if we're not praying for them or there's not someone interceding for them, who's going to fight for them? Right. And so I have faith that they'll be back one day. Um, there's a lot that goes into play with why somebody stays in it and why someone doesn't. If they don't have the hunger, they're not going to stay in this. They're going to back out. Like you got to be in the word. You got to pray. You have to have a relationship. If you don't have a relationship, it's just dead. It's just tradition. You're just coming because your mom and dad told you to. And as soon as you're done, you're going to, as soon as you're 18, you're out. Like you're done. Like, I don't want to do this. It was just a routine. Just, I did it because my mom told me to. But if you have a legit relationship with God and you have a touch from God, you won't ever forget that. Even if you walk away, it's going to be tugging at you. So how do we address the spirit of complacency? Because I'm speaking in regards to those who, they were on fire for God. They went midweek. They went prayer. They went through all of that. The conferences, all of that. And all of a sudden, boom, they just backslide. There was a point in their life where they got too comfortable with where they were at spiritually that they let their guard down. And boom, they're trying to compromise. Oh, I'll miss midweek just this one time for my friend. Oh, I'll just miss this. And that complacency catches up and it's a spirit that isn't addressed. So would you say that complacency is, I guess, a leading factor into bringing down the hungry? Or would you say it's a different cause? 100%. I feel like complacency plays a big deal in it. I know that it's not overnight that someone backslides. Obviously, it's a it's kind of like a domino effect. Like you make one little decision and that decision turns into that, that turns into that. And I've noticed um, within myself and with some other examples and people that, like you just said, like, oh, it's just this. Like I'll just, you know, I'll just miss this one service. Like uh, I'm going to reach out to my lost friend. I'm going to go and have dinner with them. So I'm going to skip midweek or I'm going to skip this or something like that and put it aside. Um, when you start making those little decisions and giving, how do I put this? Putting things that should be prioritized at the top, kind of push it back and go out with that friend that needs help or something like that. You start to do a snowball effect. We're like, oh, you know what? It's just two services that I missed this month. Oh, it's just this is this. And then before you know it, like you're, you're watching church online for the rest of your life. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, it, it, it runs into like a snowball effect. Like, oh, I'm just going to do this and this. And I remember years ago, one of my youth pastors preached this sermon where he had these cones set up and he had caution tape on the, the cones and it progressed. And so he was at the first set of cones with the caution tape. And he was like, oh, it's just it's just a kiss. Like, I'm just that's nothing like I'm just going to give our guess. Like whatever. <laughs> and so he cut the caution tape. Now he got closer to the second set of cones with a caution tape, which is a boundary, obviously. Yeah. This is a boundary for a reason. You set things in your life to not cross them, obviously. But when you start to let down your boundaries, you get deeper and deeper into sin. So then he's like, Oh, well, it's just it's just this, a little little worse than kissing. I'm just I'm just gonna do that. And then boom, cut that caution tape. He moved on to the third one. And then he went deeper and deeper, and then he's like, oh, but it's just, you know, it's like, does, does sex outside of marriage really matter? And then he cut that one, and boom. So he just kept going deeper and deeper and deeper into sin, and before you know it, it's like they were so overcome by sin that they didn't believe in God anymore. Like, they were so out of church. It's like, it's like how were you so on fire, but you kept letting your guard down? What is that saying where it says something about the little things spoil the bunch or the fox steals or something like that? You know what I'm talking about? I know what it is, but it slipped I, my mind. Literally, that that's it's not like boom, like a big thing. Bam. Okay, back to the bike. No, it's literally like all these little things letting down all the little boundaries. And before you know it, like you're gone. So that's why it's important to put boundaries to stay in the word and stay talking to God and be chilling honestly if you have a relationship with god so you went on a couple tours right and you went to so many churches starting from california all the way towards the east coast what would you say are the different types of hunger that you've seen within not only just the youth but also the young adults and the elders of the church and does it correlate to their pastor or is it a hunger that resonates within themselves okay so i'm gonna expound that to the world, not say I've traveled the world, but I've been to a few different countries and I've noticed drastic differences with different countries and within America. If I'm going to generalize America, we are definitely complacent, more complacent than other countries. Almost every country I've been to, especially the one that hit me the most was Brazil. Hmm. I was in Brazil and the services there all you had to do was hit one piano key and everyone is slain like insane hours. I remember we were at this one service in Brazil. We were practicing. Our group was practicing some choir songs, getting ready for the service. Service started at seven. We're in there at like 530. We're practicing and people are starting to walk in at six. I'm like, six, bruh. I was like, in America, services at 7. We'll see everyone at 7, 38 o'clock. Everybody's going to show up late. These people were showing up an hour or more earlier for the service, for pre-service prayer, which a lot of churches in America don't do that anymore. And they're praying, and we're just practicing our songs. And we were singing this song. The last song we were practicing was called Estas Aquí, which literally means I can't see you, but I know that you're here. 
And we're singing that song. Mm. Oh, my Lord. We didn't. Oh, I'm getting chills right now. We only played the first chords. None of us has sung yet. Nobody sang a word. We just played the keys to that song. People just started falling out. The spirit fell like crazy. Our whole group was just losing it. And we were praying for people. From that practice and that song, it literally went on for like four hours. There was no preaching. There was no nothing. It was literally just like a whole night of just worship, people praying left and right. That was one of the craziest nights of my life. And I remember on other services on the trip, it's the same way. I don't know if it was just that song because, man, every time we play that song, bam, everybody would just go insane. Let's lose it. And the hunger in those countries was just mind-blowing. And it was very eye-opening for me because I was the first country I'd ever been to outside of the United States. And they didn't have all the electronics like we do. I mean, literally, some of these people lived in huts and stuff. They literally walked miles for church. Gosh, I can barely walk out the driveway to my car. <laughs> can you imagine if I had to walk a mile? <laughs> I'd be like, I ain't going to church. <laughs> Their hunger is literally like insane. Like They'll walk days, they'll walk miles to church. And then when they get there, they are on fire. And a lot of these churches are hot, boiling. It's like, Lord. Dear Lord. No, and they they have like, you know, little fans on the wall, but forget it. They are drenched. The body in, heat too? No, no. Oh, we were butt up against each other. It was a sweat bath in there. But they weren't, they, no, nothing was stopping them. Nothing was distracting them. Nothing was going to hinder them worshiping God. And that literally like opened my mind. I was like, dang, like we have padded pews. We have air conditioning. We have screens. We have everything. We have cars. We don't have to walk miles to church. And yet we don't worship as hard as they do. Yeah. It, it literally blew my mind how much these people worship God. I was like, this is crazy. And we get mad when service is over an hour and a half. <laughs> and their services go for like three, four, five hours. I remember one time we were in Ecuador the service literally started at 9 a.m. We had a break at 12. We came back at 1.30. It went till 9 p.m. Praise God. It was all day long. I literally said, you know what? I have worshipped so much today. I don't need to worship for the rest of the year. <laughs> I have put in all my time. <laughs> there was literally, I remember there was one There was one person crowd surfing. That was insane. No, that was a crazy service. Honestly, that was that was awesome. But um, no, the hunger level, back to the question, the hunger level in other countries, from what I've seen compared to America, is is astronomically different. Now, even traveling on a preaching tour within the U.S., there is also different hungers. I can't really attribute it to like, oh, like, you know, their pastor does this, so that's why they're not like, you know what I mean? Because like, I've only been to one service at the church, so I don't really know like, yeah, realistically how their like, pastor is or whatever. So I can't really judge that. But um, there is different different levels of hunger within the United States. Like I've been to churches where like literally like you could throw a shoe and everyone's just going to lose it. Like they're going to go on fire. And there's other churches like you are pouring your heart out and it's just like you're in a graveyard. It's like, okay, all right, praise God. Um, I remember there was times where like I think I either said something or even just like a joke. Man, it was the statue challenge in there. I was like, okay, well... Glad to be here. And just, they weren't having it. So, yeah, there is a lot of people that probably, like, you know, are in complacency. And it's just, 
they've like you said they've heard that message a long time like god's coming back soon in 1988 88 reasons why god's coming back <laughs> and here we are 40 years later almost and god ain't back yet but um no but for real now like i really feel like we are closer than ever than ever than ever than ever before oh for sure yeah no 100 percent. and like god's coming back could be like any day now we don't know the day or the hour but we need to be ready it's gonna come like a thief in the night and there's a lot of people that are just complacent like ah, oh, you know like god's not gonna come today i'll just do this it's like no it's like kind of you should live your life as if he's coming today i don't remember the verse that says that but we need to live our life like god's coming back tomorrow so from the time of the book of acts all the way to the rapture we're under something called the grace dispensation mm-hmm. so whatever we do god's gonna forgive us no matter how bad no matter how many times we do the offense god's gonna forgive us do you think we're at a point of our lives and i'm not speaking about every single listener or every single person in america or the world but do you feel like a lot of people have taken advantage of the grace of god and are just purposely sinning they know it's a sin at this point like they felt the conviction of god holy ghost or not they could feel the conviction even when people are like preach about it do you feel like we've taken advantage so much that we've just our hearts are just hardened to it at this point Hmm. Honestly, yeah, I feel like a lot of people do take advantage of grace. Um, I know I have. Uh, people have sinned, and they know it's a sin, and they continue to do it. Uh, they ask for forgiveness, and I know, I've even know people who, and I feel like I've done it even, I'm not going to lie, I feel like I've done it before too, like <laughs> where you know it's a sin, you know it's about to happen, and you're like, eh, I'll just ask for forgiveness afterwards. So it's like you're literally taking advantage of God's grace and mercy. So in the Old Testament, the tabernacle plan, there was a process to get into the presence of God, and not everyone could freely access the presence of God. But when Jesus died on Calvary, obviously in the New Testament, the veil was torn, and now we could wherever we could be in the bathroom for the presence of God and speak in tongues. Do you feel like we've taken advantage of filling God so much where we've grown immune to the move of God in our church services? 100%. So with me, I grew up in church. I've grown up in this my whole life. Yeah. Um, and I've gotten so used to it. Like this is like a part of my life. And there's times where like I I'm not gonna lie, like I get kind of jealous of the the new convert that comes into church because they are so on fire because they were in the world, they didn't have this, then they experienced it, and they're literally on fire for God and it's like wow I've been in this my whole life and I don't have a passion like that I want that type of passion and I pray to God I'm like God like give me the fire of a new believer like where I want that passion I want that fire I want that hunger I don't want to be complacent with where I am and I remember at this conference that we have at the school called Landmark one of the services I just had my face plastered into the carpet and I told God, I was like, I don't want to ever take another service or pr- time with you in your presence for granted again. Because it's so, it's so easy that God could be like, you're, you're not, you're not appreciating my presence. Like, I'm just, you know, like, I'm going to back up. Like, and I don't want to take advantage of that. I don't want to sit through another service and just be like, oh, whatever. You know what I mean? Like, we have such a privilege to be in God's presence. And we take it for granted. And I remember praying, God, I don't want to ever take another time in your presence for granted. And I just sat there and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. I, I, mean, I think I was there for like an, 
hour or so and I was like, Lord, please, like basically drill this into my head because there'll be times where I fall back into it and I'll be in a service and I'll just be like, oh, I mean, <laughs> and like I'll try to I'll get back into it again. But it's so easy to become complacent with where you are and it's it's hard to stay on fire, honestly. Because you you become lukewarm so easily. It's like, oh, you know, this is my nice suit. I don't know if I want to get sweat on this or, you know, get a little bit. And that happens a lot. Like, Put a oh. dent in the shoes. No, for real. Like, I don't know if I want to crease these. No, yeah, I definitely think a lot of us take the presence of God for granted sometimes, especially if you've been born and raised in this. It's like you've been in this your whole life. It's just like brushing your teeth every day. If you <laughs> suddenly don't have a toothbrush one day. <laughs> And you can't get a hold of one, and you're living on the street. You're like, oh my gosh, where's my toothbrush? Your and finger with toothpaste. No, for real. It's like do just fine. I will never take for granted a toothbrush again. So it's like you know, it's always there, so you don't think about it. That's how it is with me, at least. I was born and raised in this, so it's it's always been there. Like I've I've had this all the time. So like I've I've gotten complacent. I've gotten like this is the normal. Go through the motions. Let me lift my hands. And stuff like that, but then like a new believer, like they're like they just treasure this, and that's literally how we should view it. It's something that should be treasured and something that we should never take for granted. So I pray all the time, like God, give me the heart of a new believer, give me the fire of a new believer. Well, this chair is uncomfortable. I have scoliosis now. <laughs> this was out of the boat. Good night, everybody. Yes, this is out of the boat, episode eight or nine. Don't know which one, but this is it. <laughs>